You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Mr. Speaker, I rise today as a proud adoptee, a son with two loving parents who provided me with all the love and support a child could ever ask for. But yet, I heard in this chamber a few days ago that someone saying my parents aren't real parents. Let me be clear, I am their child, they are my parents, and for bigoted, closed-minded reason, certain folks have decided that people who adopt their children are lesser than. But make no mistake, whether you adopted your child, had biological children, or found your chosen family in some other way, you are a parent. And because I haven't seen any of my Republican colleagues in this chamber condemn these disgusting comments, I hope, I hope that they don't also agree with it. Because I won't allow anyone in this chamber to disrespect my family or yours. And directly to the people who have opened up their hearts and homes to children ready for their embrace, don't let anyone ever diminish who you are. You are real parents, a parent and nothing less. I yield Whoops. back. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Um, what I was trying to, to, uh, to uh, put up there was the ding. Because, um, wow, Grand Central around here. This. 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 Yes, because uh, Maxwell Frost is 100% correct. And that was in response to, um, you know, idiocy from Marge Q. Uh, anytime Marjorie Taylor Greene opens her mouth, crap uh, spews forth. This is what uh, uh, Maxwell Frost was responding to. Are you a mother? I am a mother by marriage. By marriage, I see. Um, and and my wife is here with me, so I'm really glad that she's here. Rather, our, Sharon Klein. Ms. Weingarten, I reclaim my time. I didn't ask you a question. Ugh, what I'd like to talk about is your recommendations to the CDC as not a medical doctor, not a biological mother, um, and, and really not a teacher either. 
you had no business advising the CDC what the medical guidelines were for school closures, because now we have a nation of school children who have suffered because of it. Oh, shut the up. Is- okay. I, I just, I, I can't stand the sound of her voice. It's almost as bad as the former guy. Uh, anyway, the, the thing about her, how dare she, she, she looks at Randy Weingarten and says, well, you're not a mother. Yes, she is. And I saved this for today in the Maxwell Frost um, uh, statement from the House floor for today, because today's May 3rd. Today's a really important day for me. Um, Every year on this day, I think about a woman, some woman in Kazakhstan who 24 years ago this week um, gave birth to a little girl. And um, within a month, and I'm, all this is conjecture. It's all I can, all I can reason and come up with. Um, she gave birth to a little girl and after about a month realized that she could not take care of her. And what she did was left her on a doorstep. Yep, she left her on a doorstep of a private home. I have the address. You see, I'm talking about my daughter, Allison. My daughter was born. They estimated because she was found on a doorstep at about a month old. They estimated she was born right around May 1st, but they didn't know for sure. They had no way to know. So the people who opened the door found her there called the police. They brought her to the hospital, and then she was taken to an orphanage. And I adopted her about 18 months later. So um, May 1st, so that, the, you know, they, they, what they do over there is write out, you know, they, they, if, if a child is a foundling, like Allison was, they make up names of fictional birth parents. And um, in this case, uh, Matsukova was the name that they gave, the last name that they gave to the birth mother. That's not her name. We do not know her name. I do not know who this woman is. But this year, this every time, this day, every year, I think about this woman in Kazakhstan who gave birth to my daughter and loved her so much that she made sure she could be adopted and have a better life. And when I hear somebody is ugly and I'm not talking about physicality, although if the shoe fits, um, as ugly as Marjorie Taylor Greene um, casting aspersions on someone's parenthood, it just makes my my stomach turn and my skin crawl and my blood boil. And yeah, I get angry, but I figured rather than get angry and lash out in anger, I'm going to share my love. So May 1st was the date that they estimated was her birthday. But once I went to court, which happened to be on Thanksgiving Day uh, in 2000, it was, um, it was uh, uh, November 23rd that year, I, um, you're taken to a room with records, and all the birth records are kept in little bound books, cloth-bound books, on the wall, there was there are pink books and blue books. Obviously, the pink books were for the little girls' births, and the blue books were for the boys. And they pulled out the, the pink book from 
May of 1999 and turned to her page and found her name, her entry. Um, the name they gave her was My Ghoul, which in Kazakh means Mayflower. Um, and they, they, they crossed out the name of the fictional birth parents and wrote in my name in the place of the mother. I left the father blank. I was not married at the time. I adopted her as a single woman. Um, and then asked me, do you want to change the date? I'm like, really? We can do that? They said, yeah, we don't know for sure when she was born. So um, I thought, you know what? My mother's birthday was May 3rd. I lost my mom. I lost my mom um, 10 days before my 20th birthday. But I realized as easily as Allison could have been born on May 1st, she could have been born on May 3rd too. So her birth is, so they crossed out May 1st and put in May 3rd. So this is her day. But as Allison told us last night, she goes, I celebrate the whole week because she doesn't know for sure. Uh, which day is her birthday, and I think she's entitled to an entire week of celebrating her birth. So, um, and May 3rd is even more special because I have two dear old friends from when I first moved to Florida. I was 11. Uh, So from seventh grade, my friend Jamie, whose birthday was also May 3rd, and our friend Eva, who is still one of my closest and dearest friends, she had gotten married. As I was um, going through the process of trying to adopt a child, and um, the day I I accepted Allison's referral and knew I was going to travel to Kazakhstan to bring her home, um, I called Eva and told her, she's going, thank God, now I can tell you, I'm pregnant. And she was due the beginning of May. And I said, watch out, that baby's going to be born on May 3rd. Baby was born on May 3rd. Two years after Allison. So Allison and Molly are two years apart to the day. They're as good as cousins. Um, and so May 3rd is a really important day. And, you know, I, I have a, I don't know what happened to it. I had a plaque on my wall. Hmm, it's disappeared. I'm guessing maybe my daughter took it. That said, adoption is when a baby grows in your heart, in the mother's heart instead of her stomach or something like I don't remember because it's missing from my wall but you know don't ever Marge tell somebody who's a mother that she's not a mother she could be a bad mother shut your mouth but you know stop it so um not only is May 3rd an important day for me but I'll tell you something for years Mother's Day was really tough this time of year was really rough for me because I would have to go through my mother's birthday who I lost again when I was 19. And then the following week was Mother's Day. So now it's a really happy time. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let Marge Q. Green um, ever make me feel less than. I couldn't be any more that child's mother if, you know, I spit her out myself. I didn't. It doesn't matter. She's my kid. So... Happy birthday, Allison. Happy birthday, Molly. Happy birthday, Mom, wherever you are. And uh, happy Mother's Day in advance. Okay, so now that that's out of the way. And I do have a little song from Marge Q. Green. I just need you to shut the fuck up because nobody asked you, bitch. 
Okay, so now she's shut the fuck up. And now we can move on. Somebody else who I, I'm guessing today probably wishes he would have shut the fuck up is Tucker Carlson. So we had heard the reason for his firing. <laughs> the reason for the firing was these texts that he wrote that Fox, not news, um, um, you know, uh, uh, edited that they redacted certain parts of these texts that Tucker Carlson had sent in the discovery in the Dominion uh, lawsuit. Well, the New York Times last night got a hold of the text. It's Exhibit 276, by the way. This text was to a producer on his ill-fated show. It was sent January 7th, 2021 at four o'clock in the afternoon. So the day after the insurrection. And here's what Mr. Carlson texted to a producer quote. And I, I've got to try to do his voice. I got to get in, in character a couple of weeks ago. His voice is very similar to Ron DeSantis's. Have you noticed high pitched and nasally almost like a mouse a couple of weeks ago. I was watching video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of Trump guys surrounded an Antifa kid and started pounding the living shit out of him. It was three against one, at least. Jumping a guy like that is dishonorable, obviously. It's not how white men fight. What? That's what it says right here. I'm reading the text. It's not how white men fight. Okay, now we know. But he continued. Yet suddenly, I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they'd hit him harder, kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. Tucker Carlson? The bow tie guy? Wow, we knew he was a bigot. We knew he was a racist. We knew he was a misogynist. We knew he was a sexist. We knew... Uh, he is a violent, unhinged, sorry excuse for a man. See, by that point, the damage had been done. But Tucker continued. But then he tried to, I guess he tried to make it better and walk it back. He says, then somewhere deep in my brain, an alarm went off. This isn't good for me. This isn't good for me. Because that's all Tucker cares about. For me, this isn't good for me. I'm becoming something I don't want to be. Well, look at the company you keep, twerp. Sorry, back to the Antifa creep is a human being. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's an Antifa creep, but he's a human being, too. Uh, Much as I despise what he says and does, much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally if I knew him, I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. You should, you, sorry, I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere, somebody probably loves this kid and would be crushed if he was killed. 
if I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? Hey, Tucker, you're not. You're not. First of all, the, quote, Antifa kid is laughing at you right now because there is no Antifa. I'm Antifa. I'm anti-fascist. That's literally what Antifa means. Anti-fascist. There's no board of directors. There's no organization. Anybody who comes at you and talks about those, the Antifa people, ask them, really, who's the leader of Antifa? Where are they headquartered? What's their website? Where do I pay my dues? It doesn't exist. But these people are so delusional that they come up with these stories, like the story about, you know, uh, Democrats eating babies, about Democrats um, um, uh, having abortions up until the moment of birth and after, because, you know, we do that. Yeah, I've carried this this pregnancy for nine months, and now on the last day, eh, I don't want it. Let's just kill it. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're right, Hernan. Antifa. It's Antifa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, it just, it's just, just, you know, it's insane. Um, all right. I, I, I don't even know where else to go. Oh, so today we are, uh, I do have a guest coming up. Let me tell you who's coming up. Ryan Cooper. Ryan Cooper is the managing editor of the American Prospect magazine. They're at prospect.org. Um, you know, I, I, I sing their praises all the time. Well, this morning, I'm going through my email and trying to figure out. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I do multitask and I glanced over at the chat room just to see, you know, uh, and sometimes my eyes fall and I, and, and I see Diane, Diane Russell, uh, just, just wrote not enough meat on a baby, not worth eating. <laughs> Well, there are chubby babies, you know, just saying. Anyway, I digress. I, I got, I, I, it, good one, Diane. You did knock my train of thought right off the tracks. Um, uh, so I don't even know where I was. <laughs> I totally lost what I was thinking. Um, uh, all right. What else did I want to talk to you about? There, there's, there's, there's stuff. Oh, so our guest coming up. So Ryan Cooper, sorry, managing editor of the American Prospect. And this morning I'm going through, you know, reading my emails and starting to go through the news, even though I'm not producing what's news each day, I still go through the prep and pull news stories that are, are worthy of covering. And, um, uh, I, I, what pops up in my inbox is a new newsletter from the American Prospect, and it's called the X-Date, a debt ceiling newsletter. So Ryan Cooper from prospect.org will join us in just a little while to tell you everything you need to know about the debt ceiling, but we're afraid to ask, or we're lied to about, so you don't know what to believe anymore. We'll find out. Yes, Chubby is fat, Diane Russell. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I should not look at the chat when I'm in mid-show and trying to figure out, you know, what I want to talk about next. Um, let me do, let me, let me, uh, a quick rundown on some of the news because there was breaking news again today. First off, uh, they raised the interest rates yet again. And I must commend Chris Hayes. Now, I really like Chris Hayes. Um, 
and and uh, I'm I'm I I don't see him that often, but I do you know I do read his his Twitter feed, and today Chris Hayes um he 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 spoke for me. He said, uh, "Very cool for Jay Powell." to hike us into a recession to just in t- just in time to give the man who literally tried to end the American democratic experiment a shot of getting back in office. And then he said, I'm catastrophizing a bit. I still believe a soft landing is possible, but the Fed seems intent on not taking yes for an answer. So they raised the interest rates another quarter of a point today, though Uh, they did signal that this would be the last one for a while. Here's what I don't get. Joe Biden has done a great job in keeping the economy running, right? The job market was hot. Um, uh, You know, things were good. If you look at the the economic indicators, and I'm so not an economist, uh, so I speak in in layman's terms because I'm a lay person. Uh, and, And, you know, it seemed like the Fed, Jay Powell, was doing everything he can to tank the economy, to cause a recession when the economy didn't want to go there. I, I, again, I know I'm not an economist and I should probably just shut up about these things or bring on uh, Stephanie Kelton or people like her to explain what's up. But seriously, uh, so at least this is going to be the last one. But uh, if you're wondering why it's so expensive to buy a car or buy a house, or do anything. Remember, the, the, the cost increase due to the, the rising interest rates is passed along to the consumers. Remember that during the pandemic, as supply went down, prices went up, but they're never coming down again. The manufacturers, the job creators, the big corporations took all those profits and they're keeping taking those profits. You know, once the crisis settles down and we're not in the pandemic anymore and the supply chain gets rolling again and things get easier and prices should come down, they don't. And those corporations are just happy as pigs in shit to keep taking those those inflated profits and continue not paying taxes on them. See, that's why we're in this mess. You know, you got the right-wingers, the Republicans who are so intent on tanking the good faith and credit of the United States that they want to cut the extra funds that were, uh, that were earmarked for the IRS so that they can go after those, giant, those billionaires and the big corporations who haven't been paying their fair share of taxes, instead bilking us, you know, the guys, poor working schmucks who are lucky if we have a dollar left over at the end of the month, but more likely we're just building up the debt on the credit cards. Yeah, I know I'm speaking for myself, but you know, it's easier to go after us. It's easier, it's cheaper to do an audit on somebody who doesn't have lawyers, you know, defending their questionable, manipulative um, uh strategies on their tax returns um, to, to, you know, fight against the IRS. Now go after the poor schmuck who can't afford an attorney who goes to H&R Block to do their taxes and get an extra, what, hundred bucks out of them? 
It's opposite world. We live in opposite world and it's time to stop. Okay, so in the news today, we do have the, the debt ceiling. We'll talk about that in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, we talked about Tucker Carlson. Um, Russia is alleging that Ukraine sent two drones to attack Vladimir Putin at the Kremlin. They have video of uh, allegedly a drone hitting the top of the Kremlin. Um, but the experts say, no, um, a, a little drone like what we saw there, no way could have gotten from Kiev or anywhere in Ukraine to Moscow. Just couldn't happen. And no one else is saying it other than Russia. So, you know, there's that. Um, what else? Uh, New York passed the first in the nation law to ban gas stoves and fossil fuels in new buildings starting in 2026. You know that um, people over at Fox, their heads are exploding right now. The murderer in Texas who killed five people uh, in the neighbor's house because they dared to ask him to stop shooting his AR-15 in the front yard because the baby was sleeping, um, was found, was arrested. He was hiding in the closet at his home, and now they've arrested his wife because it appears that his wife was hiding him. What's wrong with people? Oh, yeah, and by the way, today's mass shooting was in Atlanta. There was one in Florida, too, but, you know, we don't hear about these things because there weren't four or more people killed. Ay, ay, ay. There's other news, too. But you know what? I'd rather tell you about our newest sponsor here on the Nicole Sandler Show. Um, I told you, I've been telling you, we will have some advertising on the show now uh, because it's important that I... (laughs) <laughs> make an income and I still take your donations. You go to NicoleSandler.com and click on any of those donate buttons and I would be forever in, 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 appreciative. Um, but we are also bringing on some sponsors and this one I'm actually really excited about because I've heard good things about them and now I'm going to try them out myself. You might know that um, last week I had a really rough week. And I've been very open and honest. I suffer from depression I have since adolescence. So when I was presented with a new client who was interested in advertising, BetterHelp, I said, okay, I want to look into this because I've heard of them. And I've heard good things about them. And I did the research and it looks really interesting. So what it is, is therapy online with a licensed professional when you you go to their website it's at um better help better com slash nicole sandler if you add me in at the end you get 10 percent off your first month and let them know that i sent you um but at their website you can just peruse the site you you don't have to sign up right when you go you can just go and look and i think you'll be as impressed as i as i was And it got me to sign up. So you answer a short questionnaire and then they match you with a licensed therapist. And you know what? If that therapist isn't right for you, you can keep changing until you find somebody that you feel is a good fit. Um, And you and, and it goes like that. I have my first session scheduled for next week. In the meantime, I invite you to go check out the website. um, Betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler. Finding more balance in our lives is something that we could all use, right? So go there, betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler. Get 10% off your first month. Month, that would be month. That's betterhelp, 
dot com slash Nicole Sandler. Okay, now that that's out of the way, I think it's time for a little primer, or is it primer? Primer, primer on um uh on the uh, the debt ceiling. Now we have been saddled with this um notion. You know what? It's not going to work from that. I'm going to bring it up over here. Sorry, I'm 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 playing producer and you know, host at the same time. Um, we taped this this morning. So I am, I'm, I'm pulling up the video um, to share with you in just one second. So, um, you know, it, it feels like the, you know, like the boy who cried wolf, right? Because we've seen this movie before and it's always the Republicans threatening to blow up not only the good faith and credit of the United States, but, you know, the world's economy, because that's what's at, at risk here. And so um, when I I, uh, I read my email this morning and I saw that there's this new newsletter from the folks at the American Prospect, I immediately reached out to Ryan Cooper and invited him on the show. And luckily for me, he had some time to talk today. So... With no further ado. All right. I'm joined today by Ryan Cooper. He's the managing editor of the American Prospect. You can find them online at prospect.org. Um, and he's just launched a new pop-up newsletter. It's called X-Date, a debt ceiling newsletter. And and the purpose of this is to answer people's questions about the debt ceiling, which has to be one of the more ridiculous aspects of the U.S. government. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, to be clear, it, it, it's not just me who will be wor- working on this. It'll also be my boss, uh, David Dayan, um, writing some of them and others as well, probably in the Prospect uh, family. Awesome. Well, Dave Dayan has been um, a, a frequent guest on this show going back <laughs> going back over a decade. So he, he's a great uh, um, uh, person to, who heads up the American Prospect. And um, I'm a big fan of your magazine. So um, at prospect.org. And, and you guys put out a number of newsletters and, and, and do the work. And um, I, it's, a, it's a source I recommend people visit regularly. But I was really excited to see the notification this morning that you've launched this newsletter because... As we all know, this pops up every few years, except when there's a Republican in the White House and Democratic control of of either House of, of Congress, because um, the Democrats don't seem to play the game that Republicans are playing yet again. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, maybe we should review real quick what the debt ceiling is, because it's so stupid that I think a lot of Americans kind of can't believe that we actually operate like this. But, you know, so whenever Congress passes a budget that, um, you know, that that implies a certain level of borrowing, usually because you don't have enough tax money to cover all the spending that that Congress has legally obligated. And uh, there's a separate stricture that's totally unrelated to the budget uh, formally that just caps the amount of borrowing that we can uh, take. And so whenever there's a, a, you know, a spending bill that would push us up over the cap, then Congress has to raise the debt ceiling. Um, And it's happened dozens of times in the past. And, you know, for most of its history, this goes back to like 1917. And and it was just a a technical fix to just basically say, rather than authorizing every single uh, tranche of borrowing every time, 
you know, we, we would just raise, raise the limit up to a, a whole, you know, large quantity. And uh, up until about 2011, it didn't even occur to anybody to try to take the debt ceiling hostage uh, because like th this is legislative terrorism, basically. I mean, you, you would be threatening to uh, dynamite the entire you know world economy. Right. Because, uh, you know, the United States debt is the foundation of the global financial system. And so if you call that into question, then you'd have a you know, unprecedented financial crisis, you know, US debt is where people go when they're worried about the system, you know, falling apart for other reasons. During the financial crisis of 2008, everybody jumped into treasury bonds because that's the safest thing you can get, treasury bonds and dollars. Right. And so where would people even go, you know, to euros or something? Um, but yeah, grossly irresponsible. And previously it was just, you know, occasionally you get Democrats showboating, you know, like, oh, I can't believe we voted to increase the limit on the national credit card, blah, blah, blah. Then it would happen. You know, these are just silly peacocking demonstrations, but they're actually doing it now. But the one thing that I, I feel compelled to explain every time this happens and it keeps happening is that this is spending that's already been authorized. This yes. is money that's already been spent by Congress. It's been legislated and approved and put into action. But this is when the credit card bills come due and it simply is the government saying, yes, we will make good on the money we've already committed to spending. And now, again, history repeats itself. We have a group of, uh, in this case, Republican House members saying, well, we're not going to do that. Instead, we want to cut spending levels. Um, what is it exactly they do want? So they want ba basically a laundry list of what the far right of the Republican caucus, you know, has decided is the most conservative thing to to ask for. So we've got they're going to reduce the overall budget spending, you know, uh, to tw 2022 levels across the board without specifying exactly what that means, which which implies a massive cut to veterans benefits. Um, they want to repeal the extra funding for the IRS so that rich people can cheat on their taxes right. more. Uh, they want to add work requirements to Medicaid and food stamps, and they want to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act's like green energy tax credits, you know, the core of Biden's like central most important accomplishment. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that if you won the House and the Senate and the presidency, you you could say, all right, yeah, we won and now we get to pass our agenda. But because they don't have the Senate or the presidency, they're trying they're taking the debt ceiling hostage threatening financial Armageddon to try to twist the arms of the Democrats to get them to agree to policy concessions. So, um, so Ryan, you said that this wasn't an issue like um, the, the opposing party didn't use the debt ceiling as a negotiating cudgel um, up until like 2011. Um, yeah. So 2011, Obama was in office, but he didn't have both houses. He did for, I think, his first two years or the but actually he didn't he had it for a short while when he first got elected into office what i'm getting at is is there anything the democrats could have done when they realized that the republicans were going to start with this hostage taking stuff could they have neutered the idea of the debt ceiling could they just have done away with it absolutely they could have done that um you know and this is basically the subject of my whole article uh, back in 2021, that was the last time it was raised up to $31.4 trillion, if I'm not mistaken. 
and you just do the math on this, you know, borrowing trajectory and you're like, well, we're going to hit that in 2023 probably. Mm -hmm. And anybody with half a brain could see that Republicans are probably going to do well in the 2022 midterms, well enough to take one House of Congress at least. And they were going to take the debt ceiling hostage again uh, when they did so. And in fact, they were saying that even before the election, they're a bunch of the Republican crazies. They, they've since kind of shut up about this, but they were they were planning to use the debt ceiling to get giant cuts to Medicare and Social Security. Right. Remember. Um, and they instead of raising it to, you know, 50 trillion dollars or, you know, I, I, I personally would have um uh, have recommended doing something really wacky that's hard to explain like you could uh you could raise it to a googleplex or a grams number which is so large that uh no physical uh representation of it could exist in the universe there aren't enough like atoms uh <laughs> Um, but, you know, you, you could also have uh, just deleted it entirely. That would have required passing a normal bill uh, through the House and the Senate. And it would have required getting rid of the filibuster. Wow. But you can get rid of the filibuster with 50 votes plus the vice president. And Democrats didn't do that. And they didn't raise it to a high enough level. Instead, they just handed Republicans this um, economic grenade, basically, uh, and said, you know, go hog wild with it. Um, and that, by the way, one last thing, that wasn't the only uh, opportunity in the lame duck session in 2022. Mm -hmm. There was another reconciliation bill. That's right. They could have tried to get a debt ceiling increase into that. You know, maybe you would have uh, Chuck, uh, sorry, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema might have objected, but they didn't even try. Uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, didn't even try to, to stick one of those in there. And it was just grossly irresponsible you know we could all see this coming a mile off and now here we are now here we are and and the thing is if you look back at the last administration again the democrats didn't do this they're like we're not gonna do this and there's a clip that's now surfacing again how convenient of the former guy of donald trump saying this i can't imagine anybody ever even thinking of using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, when I first came into office, I asked about the debt ceiling, and I understand debt ceilings, and I certainly he understand the, debt ceilings. Uh, the, sure. the highest rated credit ever in history and a debt ceiling. And I said, I remember to Senator Schumer and to Nancy Pelosi, would anybody ever use that to negotiate with? They said, absolutely not. Absolutely That's a sacred not. element of our country. They can't use the debt ceiling to negotiate. And don't forget. Okay, so so there he is saying, oh, never. We would never do it. Well, you, the Democrats don't. The, the Republicans do, and they have historically. But he understands debt ceilings. Then he goes on to say, and but don't forget, the, the previous administration raised the debt, you know, doubled it. Um, Donald Trump actually did that. By, by, uh, with his tax cuts for the billionaires, uh, he raised the debt. Uh, doubled it. I mean everything he said that I'm not going to I'm not going to subject everyone to his voice anymore. But um he added what 10 billion dollars or some ridiculous number to the debt trillion. didn't he? trillion. Sorry, I get my billions and trillions confused cuz it's all monopoly money to me. Um 10 trillion dollars because of those tax cuts and yet that those aren't cuts that the Republicans want to eliminate now. They just want to take money from Medicaid and Medicare recipients, but let those tax cuts for a billionaire stand, adding the ten trillion dollars to the deficit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and 
you know, in fact, uh, the the IRS, you know, the the ideology is clear that when you look at the IRS funding thing, because this is one of those items that pays for itself a million times over. I mean, not a million times, but it's like like ten dollars or twenty dollars or something in in tax revenue for every dollar you spend on the IRS, which for ordinary people, you know, who just have like a, a nine to five uh, paycheck, that doesn't do anything to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it makes it, it more easier for you because the IRS can answer the phones again. The the performance of the IRS has dramatically improved in terms of answering the phone and helping people with questions thanks to this new money. And Republicans want to get rid of that because the difficult thing that the IRS actually does is auditing rich people like Donald Trump. Right. It's very expensive and complicated to to audit the finances of these, you know, billionaire oligarchs because they have, you know, platoons of lawyers and they use all these really complicated, you know, tax avoidance schemes. And you've really got to take time and effort and and staff to get what is owed. Um, and Republicans hate that. So, you know, Repealing that IRS funding is going to increase the national debt, but they don't care. No, they don't care about the national debt in the abstract. They care about preserving the power of uh, pay managers. I, I, I get it. It's really astounding what's going on. So, so President Biden's position here, Ryan Cooper, is he said, I'm not negotiating. We do not negotiate on the debt ceiling. Well, now we find that that drop dead date. You're calling it the X date. The X date is the name of the newsletter. That's because that's the date that we essentially hit the debt ceiling and have no more money to spend. Or what? what is it? What is the actual meaning of it? Well, yeah. So the uh, the currently the tre- Treasury Secretary is doing a lot of like complicated legal shenanigans and accounting shenanigans to, you know, shift money around to uh, free up, you know, spending authority which itself I would say is kind of legally questionable. Right, that's um, the extraordinary measures, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, um, but, you know, they're going to run out of tricks basically on June 1st. That's what uh, Janet Yellen says. And so at that point, I think it's important to emphasize, you know, that, that um, people act like the debt ceiling is this sort of ironclad legal obstacle. But in fact, right there, when you hit that, that uh, mark on June 1st, uh, Biden would be violating the law no matter what he did, you know, because Congress has legally instructed him, obligated him to spend at certain defined levels uh, in the government budget throughout September. And then it is also, you know, forbade him from borrowing the money necessary to carry out those instructions. Um, and so whether which way he goes, um, unless he mints the platinum coin, uh, which is a legal loophole, we can talk about yes, that. We can. Um, he would be violating the law. And, you know, people pretend like the the only, you know, that somehow the debt ceiling gets priority, but it's not obvious why he would have to pick one or the other. It's like you're in legal hot water either way. Congress is giving him con- contradictory instructions. So why not pick the one that wouldn't cause an economic crisis? Right. So meanwhile, so Biden has said all along, I'm not negotiating. And he's he's refused to meet with Kevin McCarthy on this issue uh, and taken a bit of a criticism for it. Of course, you got to consider the source. Um, but now that Janet Yellen has said, OK, the X date is June 1st, where in the final stretch we got to do something. Um, President Biden has invited leadership 
to the Oval Office for a meeting. So with him and Chuck Schumer and uh, I guess Hakeem Jeffries, um, both Kevin McCarthy and uh, uh, Mitch McConnell are invited some one day next week. Do we know what's going to happen at this meeting? Do you have any ideas wh- how they're going to approach this? Uh, I don't know. You know, administration insiders tell me that they're bound to determine not to repeat the mistakes of 2011 when Obama tried to get a grand bargain to cut the deficit, including huge cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that, you know, was a, just a disastrous precedent to set. Uh, and yet I, other people are afraid, you know, Biden is a bit of a flap jaw and he's kind of notorious for just kind of giving away the store, uh, something he did absolutely enraged uh, Harry Reid when he, uh, during the negotiations around the expiration of the Bush tax cuts, he basically gave the store away there. Rather than letting them expire, you know, he negotiated a deal in which they would be extended, you know, um, without, you know, really many major concessions on the Republican side. But I do hope that, you know, Biden sees the the incredible irresponsibility of allowing giving an inch on this would be just a terrible precedent to set, because the minute you do that, they're just going to take it hostage again and again and again and make him repeal his entire, you know, um, legislative achievements from the last Congress. Right. So so in the newsletter, the first edition out today, um, you wrote that Democrats now have two options. I guess there is a third option. They could, pardon my language, fuck up here and negotiate and give away the store, which, you know, we we come to believe that that's what the Democrats will do because history. But you're, you're saying two options, either a discharge petition in the House or executive action. Tell me what those mean. Yeah, so the discharge petition, maybe people have seen the West Wing have heard about this. Basically, you get 218 signatures from uh, members of Congress, and that way you can force a vote on the floor of a bill that's, uh, you know, stuck in committee or something. Mm-hmm. You don't need the approval of the House leadership. Um, the the Democrats actually did sneak in a sort of a sleeper bill back in January, which was just a whole bunch of tiny little minor things so that it could be stuck in every single committee, make it easier to lever it out of there. Um, but the the problem with this strategy is that it's slow. Um, the House isn't in session. And once you gather your signatures, which will take time, you uh, also have to wait seven legislative days. Oh. And it's unclear whether or not they have enough time. You know, we're already into May. Yep. Um, you know, the, the government moves real slowly at the best of times. And so they might not be able to to uh, actually get that. And and you would need five Republican votes. Uh-oh. Not clear that you'd have those either. No. Um, so, as far as executive action. Right. You, you basically you could say, um, you know, like I was saying before, Congress is giving me contradictory instructions. I'm picking the good one. You know, if Congress doesn't like that. It can pass a pass a law and we can, you know, look at it from there. Uh, or they could mint the platinum coin, which which basically would give the government additional spending authority by uh, seniorage by printing money, uh, because there's an obscure loophole in federal law which allows the minting of platinum coins of any denomination. Any denomination, right? So you print up a trillion dollar coin, you deposit it at the government's account at the Fed, and pay presto. 
And the and other, the president could do that by executive action. He can just say we're minting the coin and that's it. And this is a moot point. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the Treasury Secretary would make the decision, mm-hmm. I believe. But, mm-hmm. you know, this would be an administration, you know, like policy decision, basically. Um, and I think that the cleanest solution, the one that would probably make the most sense and be the most easy to defend politically would be to say this debt ceiling is unconstitutional. It's obviously unconstitutional. Look at the 14th Amendment, which says, quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, uh, skipping a bit, shall not be questioned. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get clearer than that. And just, you know, to be like, I'm, this would be a, this is legislative terrorism. It would cause an economic crisis. And it is flagrantly against the plain meaning of the text of the Constitution. I'm not doing this. Enough malarkey, folks. Yeah, really. <laughs> Enough malarkey. I like that. Um, I, I, and actually, you know, he puts on the sunglasses and I could see Dark Brandon doing that. Apparently, they're discussing it in the administration. And I, I hope, you know, that they're willing to do this because I think it is quite unlikely that they'll be able to get Republican support for a clean debt limit increase. I think that this move that they've passed now is an attempt to blame Biden for the ensuing economic chaos if we do breach the debt ceiling. And so, you know, of course, all the more reason for them to try to blow it up so they have something they can blame on him, something further they can blame on him in the upcoming elections. Um, But, you know, this this House uh majority is frightening in so many different factors look they idolize donald trump or so they say i would think his words would mean something to them should uh, uh who is ever well i think the house is out this week aren't they i was going to say shouldn't they yeah. play that every day when they're in session i mean you could try that uh you know i don't it's one of those things where trump just sort of happens as sort of you know, even a blind pig finds an acorn every now and then <laughs> yep. a guy who just has no filter and says whatever he thinks. I yep. mean, I think this is how a natural uh, uh, any American would sort of naturally react to this being like, no, that this is crazy. Why do we even have this? Uh, and maybe it would make an influence, but I wouldn't um, bet on it because, you know, Republicans don't care about the full faith and credit of the United States. They hate the United States, you know, right. diverse, you, cosmopolitan country. You can't country. appeal to their kinder angels because they don't have any. So, no. right. So you need to just lay down the law or President Biden does. You you also at the end of today's newsletter, and this is going to be a daily thing until this issue is resolved. Yeah, I think um, weekdays we'll, we'll try to we, we may miss a day or two. But, right. yeah, we're trying to. As long as there's up. something to report. But today's yeah. chock full of information, and I'll, I'll put a link up on the blog where I post today's shows to to get there. But uh, prospect.org is where you go, and you should have a look. They are not behind a paywall like this show, but they operate based on reader support. And boy, if there's ever a publication that deserves support, it's the American Prospects. So do and subscribe to the newsletters. Again, you can pay for a subscription and get the printed magazine, but... You know, they they go on the honor system like I do here. Um, It's not always the most profitable way to do it, but I believe it's the most compassionate way to do it. Anyway, so you got the today's newsletter. And at the end of it, you make a really important point. You say the anxious hand wringing over what should be a cut and dried constitutional issue is symptomatic of Democrats approach to the debt ceiling in general. They 
along with mainstream media coverage, helplessly validate the framing of the ceiling as an ironclad legal obstacle, when in reality it would be every bit as legal for Biden to respect it as ignore it. The media is complicit in this. Do they not, uh, you know, we hear it'll blow up the full faith and credit of the United States, but I understand it'll be even worse than that, especially right now when the economy is teetering, not only here, but the global economy, in part from the pandemic and the recovery from the pandemic. But we're in a precarious place now. Why would anybody try to blow up the the financial status of the world and and the media i don't think is um uh, clear enough about what the stakes are are they yeah i mean with some rare exceptions uh jeff stein at the washington post is, is pretty clear about this um but i i think you know that is downstream to the sort of commitment to pseudo objectivity you see in a lot of um mainstream media especially the new york times um, they don't, it, when both parties are pretending as though the debt ceiling is, you know, the be all end all of the American legal system, then they're going to reflect that. Um, it's, it's because Democrats haven't raised a, any sort of, uh, fuss about this. They, they haven't raised the question. They haven't made it into a controversy. And so, you know, mainstream political reporters, uh, treat it as if it isn't. Um, and the fact that Biden would be uh, violating the law either way mm-hmm. that just hasn't penetrated the discussion at all um and you know it's really a, a shame that uh democrats have made that more clear yeah no it is one last question for you ryan cooper so if you say that the president could just simply say this whole debt ceiling question it's all unconstitutional and just declare it unconstitutional then would the republicans Take it to the Supreme Court. And do we trust the Supreme Court, this Supreme Court, to do the right thing? Well, they would, but it's 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 certainly uh, it, how would you get standing? You know, how could you say <laughs> I've been injured by Joe Biden not blowing up the world uh-huh. financial system? Um, and also, and I think probably more importantly, that once Biden has ha- has made an action and, and he said that, you know, my declaration that this is unconstitutional is what is preserving the integrity of the global financial system, including all the billionaires that we know uh, are hanging out with conservative Supreme Court justices all the time. Then it would put the ball into their court. They would have to, you know, declare this unconstitutional and it would be them should Biden obey their ruling. It would be them causing you know, a global financial crisis. And I wish, hope, think, I, I think it, there's a pretty strong chance that they wouldn't be willing to take that step. It would just be too political. It would be too uh, dangerous for their own, you know, their own money, frankly. I mean, you're talking about rich, rich people, right. you know, who are hanging out with other rich people. And those people like the banking system. They like to have their their money in their accounts. They don't want a chaotic collapse, the whole thing. And uh, so, you know, hopefully self-interest at least would prevail in that case. Well, we've got a month or actually less than a month, because as you mentioned, D.C. works on a strange timeline and they're there and they're not there and they only have so many days per month that they're actually working. So 
We are in crunch mode. The American Prospect has launched this newsletter starting today. So go to prospect.org and sign up for it. It's called X-Date, a debt ceiling newsletter. Ryan Cooper, thank you so much. Um, You know, as I said, I'm a big fan of the American Prospect. I think you guys do amazing work over there. And uh, I don't think you're heralded enough. So I like to point attention your way whenever I can. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to your updates because this is this is an issue that we really need to pay attention to. Sure thing. Happy to come on. Thanks so much. Uh, Ryan Cooper, again, of the American Prospect. Prospect.org. If it's not on your daily uh, reading list, you need to you need to edit that daily reading list um, because there's there's um, there's yeah they they're very um, they're they're actually one of the better publications out today and the fact that they're not behind a paywall is really nice um, because I'll tell you something I I get frustrated when I go to no matter what it is raw story crooks and liars mediaite. The Daily Beast, that's the worst of all. I don't even go there anymore because every time you click on a story you want to read, it says, oh, this is only for paid subscribers. Well, you know what? Um, This show is not behind a paywall for good reason because I know that a lot of people can't afford even $5 a month to listen to a radio show or a podcast. That's why we're, you know, taking advertising now. Again, I'm being picky about what advertising will take, but yes, we are um, taking advertising. And so one way you can support the show is by um, uh, patronizing our advertisers, right? Uh, I pick them carefully, so I'm not going to recommend something that I don't believe in. All right, a couple of quick things happened um, while that interview was taking place. First of all, you know, the Florida legislative session, thankfully, is winding down Not soon enough, because this afternoon, the Florida Senate passed a measure that will expand the don't say gay bill. I kid you not. The parental rights and education law. Puke. Um, uh, It it had already passed the House 77 to 35 and the, the Senate passed it 27 to 12 right along party lines. Florida, vote in the in the state elections. Don't let these maggots run the legislature because this is what we get saddled with. So this death sentence is going to sign it. And basically the, the original don't say gay law said that schools, teachers, cannot talk about sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. This measure that the idiot, I I can't call him governor, will sign into law, it's passed both houses of the Florida legislature, will will broaden the the prohibition from pre-kindergarten through eighth grade. If you think kids haven't, don't have an understanding of the birds and the bees by eighth grade, You're delusional. And by not allowing teachers to talk about it, not allowing these topics to be broached in school where there's a responsible adult who can actually educate the kids, you're going to they're going to find they're going to learn about sex from the Internet. Pornhub, great way for your kid to learn about sex or from their friends or, you know, 
they're going to snicker at bad words in library books. Oh, wait. Any library books with bad words in them have already been taken out off the shelves. If you have children, school-age children, do not come to Florida. Why would anybody ever want their child to be educated in this shithole of a state? And now, um, uh, I think Spocko just said uh, the Florida legislature did something else disgusting. I mean, it's it's every day. I don't, you know, nothing should shock us anymore. What did they pass now? Um, oh, and by the way, the other day I mentioned that the legislature, you know, Michael Steele on... Um, and uh, 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 Ari Melber's show the other night was praising the state of Florida because after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, they put some new gun laws in place. Well, the House already um, uh, tried to uh, to do away with some of that and passed a law, new bill, lowering the age to buy a, a rifle, a, an AR-15, if you will, from from 21 down to 18. They had raised it from 18 to 21 in the wake of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. Now the House passed a law to, to revert back to letting kids buy them at 18. And death sentence today said, oh, I support that. Absolutely. It's just disgusting. And yeah, I'm still here working on it. Sometimes life gets in the way of plans. But getting out as soon as I can. All right. Tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow. What are we doing tomorrow? Oh, we're going to talk about the the um, Reporters Without Borders Freedom of the Press World Index for 2023 is just out. We'll get there tomorrow. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Hasta mañana, baby.